um, this afternoon. Um, how are you, Melissa? Hello. Thank you for having <laughs> me. I'm great. <laughs> uh, Melissa, I'm just going to say like a little word of introduction. And then I know you have some images to share. And then we'll just kind of get into conversation. Um, so for those who do not know Melissa, she is a multidisciplinary visual artist, professor, and curator of special projects who was uh, in and currently still resides in Columbus, Ohio. Bobley uh, Woods has been nominated for the US National USA Fellowship. She's received two Ohio Arts Council Individual Artist Grants as well as the Greater Columbus Artist Grant. And she has also been um, doing some residencies, um, the Mass Mocha residency has been awarded, the Vermont Studio Center residency and the Wasek Project summer residency kind of among them. And, um, and of course, uh, your work has been shown kind of all over the place and certainly all over the place in, uh, around here, including at the Wexner Center for the Arts, uh, the Denison Museum, Columbus Museum of Art and the Weston Art Gallery in Cincinnati. So, um, so with those kind of uh, bona fides out of the way, I can um, <laughs> welcome once again. Oh yeah, I also have a trivia question that I Woo! was going to post at the beginning uh, for our viewers who can um, who can win a twenty five dollar gift certificate to Locks, I believe. And um, and the question this afternoon is, what well known Mexican muralist artist um, led a failed assassination attempt against Leon Trotsky um, 80 years ago this week in May, May 1940. Um, so I guess you can <laughs> send your answers in <laughs> um, as we are talking. And um, yeah, I know people have actually quite enjoyed those trivia questions, so it's great. Um, awesome. But again, how are you today, Melissa? Hello, I'm great. I am, I am in my garage studio here at home working on a series of cyanotypes, which you can see in the background. Cyanotypes are like blueprints, essentially. Yeah, and they're, it's a chemical um, process. I've never used it before. Um, it's new to me. And so uh, I, it's very exciting. Here's a, you can see a detail of one of the pieces I'm working on. I use this material, I'm using this material because um, this, this series of work that I'm doing relates to a project that I just finished called Always that took place on my house that had to do with light um, or basically the absence of light. And this project now um, has to do with the presence of light because you need the sun to create the image. And then you use blocking. I use these um, cutouts like these that I have to block mm -hmm. the light and to make uh, nice. some image. Well, I didn't yeah. realize that, they, that you were using a kind of a, a stencil or a kind of cutout. Yes, of, yes. Of that allows you to, um, you know, I, I mean, I was thinking actually that they, they look, um, you know, they seem to sort of like reference in a way, at least uh, Robert Rauschenberg's um, cyanotypes. I don't know if yes. you're familiar with I, I looked at his. Yeah, I looked at his work and um, Kiki Smith has a series of cyanotypes as well as um, the artist who did the clock piece, 24 hour clock and I'm blocking on his name at the Wexner Center. Mm -hmm. um, 
So there's there's a number of I was surprised to see how many people have done cyanotypes, like a series of cyanotypes. And Rauschenberg was one of the ones I looked at. Yeah, he used whole people and uh, created windows, which is interesting because this work is also referencing the light that comes through the always installation um, that you can't see from the outside. So it's kind of about the windows and the uh, imagery you can see in the win window. Cool. So well, yeah. so we, um, let's share the screen. And, okay. Uh, and I'll, let's see. Screen mode. There we are. So that, there you go. So tell us a little bit more about what we're seeing. Okay. Yes. Okay. So this is the always latest. Oh, right at the beginning of months um, to the condition that we were in, I really wanted to look back historically at a time that was very similar to this moment to try to kind of express a connection to that time and to sort of give people a sense that we have been through this before and, and there's ways to get through it and that there will be an end to this time because it was really in the beginning, people were very distraught. Um, and so I thought it was important to just make some art that people could see. And I, what I had at my... Um, it, what I had access to was my house and this vinyl, which I had from a project that I did in 2010 um, of another house installation with the uh, with this material. And this material is a high density reflective vinyl, um, and all of the shapes were mm -hmm. hand cut and put in into all the windows. Um, the design that you see is by the artist Raoul Dufy, and this artist created this pattern in 1920. And this is a, the original drawing of the pattern that you see in the purple and black. And uh, he created this design exactly in 1920, which was the, the year that the Spanish flu ended. And so I wanted to project that ending moment for our beginning time dealing with the same condition um, to give some hope and uh, to give some direction that we can see, we can see the end, the end's coming. So that was yeah. the initial idea. I found it interesting that you you chose such a sort of like um, effusive and sort of burdened um, kind of botanical image uh, to relate to that. I mean, the pandemic is something like that um, has I don't know revealed a kind of vulnerability in terms of our relationship to nature. Um, yes. So to do something that is is kind of a stylized version of. Um, of a kind of, of, of nature, it, I think was an, an interesting choice. And yeah, it was, I'm sorry? Tell me about the title as well. Oh yeah, the title was pulled from a Lee Krasner quote. Um, so uh, while I was thinking about the patterning and the work, um, I also am a painter, so I'm always just kind of interested in what painters have to say. And I uh, listened to an old interview by Lee, Kla Lee Krasner, and she was talking about the condition of women working under um, patriarchy, basically, and that uh, the interviewer had asked her a question about, a, about being ignored for this one show, and, um, and then how it was to be a woman a painter at that time, and she said, she just had one word, she just said, always, 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 you know? And so just that word always just clicked in my mind to really connect to 
this work um, in terms of like for many levels, because I like my work to kind of reference this notion of that there's a structural um, hierarchy that is fictitious and formed on uh, needs for status and power. Um, and so it's, it became interesting and important to me to connect to her, to her um, words as well as to the Dufy design. And um, the Dufy design was also kind of important about the boldness. I wanted it to be really dominant um, because there were many other designs and things to, uh, to decide on, to like look through. I had a lot of other references that I could have pulled from. But this piece in particular, the boldness of it um, was important to be striking and to be visually um, visually striking to the viewer immediately when they see it. It is super striking. Um, you know, in, the, in the evening with any kind of light source on it. Yes. Yeah, so during, if you look at it, th these two images that you see now are uh, photographs taken with a cell phone camera with the flash on. Um, if you don't have the flash on, you, it just looks like a house at night. You can't quite tell, you can't, you can barely see that there's something there. But this is using a flash, even if the lights are on in my house, the whole thing lights up as if it's like uh, electric. It's like a neon response. Um, it can be taken from the car driving by. You can also use the flash on your video. Um, and it's very uh, surprising to people. And it's really a little magical. And that thing that you saw is only yours and it's in your phone. Um, even if a person uses a flash or even a flashlight, and if you're standing away from them, like you can't see the light. It comes directly back to you only. So it's very personal in that way. Right. Yeah. Um, and so these pictures are uh, interesting because it is like maybe at seven o'clock at night, you can see the sun in the shadows. So it's not at night, but the uh, person taking the photograph, this is uh, my brother, Matt Bogley. He uh, used a, a color. He used color. There's a truck going by. <laughs> he used a color cellophane on the flash and it turned uh -huh. all the windows a color but it didn't turn the house a color um so that's an op like that's something if you want to bring a little piece of plastic and just put it over your flash it'll turn the windows a color like that and it's it just it gives more control to the viewer and it lets them own it in a different way this image is similar in that it used um, a reflective vinyl that has kind of a rainbow uh, reflected quality in it on stuck onto the camera. And it just created this really wild uh, interpretation of the piece. And every, every photo is totally different and looks totally different. So it's, it's, it, that's a, an interesting and kind of surprising thing that I found. Um, and then just about, I mean, every day someone will come by and sometimes I see people constantly reading. I have little signs out front talking about the piece, um, talking yeah. about the history and like how I came to see it. And then people come and take photos. Great. You want to reveal the address? Oh, yeah. It is 964 Neal Avenue between 1st and 2nd. So that's 964 Neal Avenue. Um, you can find more information on my website and... Um, I'm going to keep this piece up until social distancing has ended. So it may be up for a while. It may not. 
I don't know. I'm just at the whim of uh, nature, really, with that. Um, yeah. This image is a drive-by shot, uh, so you can kind of see the motion of the camera. Just using a cell phone again, this was at night. Um, what's really interesting is in the, that I find is interesting is that the forms kind of expand out. So what, while the actual image, the actual pattern is actually very thin, um, in the photograph, the light, the reflection of the light kind of makes the forms all pop out and expand. I like that this is kind of a, a, a kind of a photographic uh, project as much as a kind of sculptural one with your own house. Um, that it's like part of the piece is is the photograph that exists in everyone's phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, at first, I really was thinking a lot about pattern and, and decoration and how that holds a different um, kind of presence, and then it. And that was kind of my focus on thinking about the piece until, um, and I knew it would be existing in a camera, but it didn't really fully come to me until once I got the work up that it was actually a photographic project and really, really um, speaks about light and capturing of an image. Uh, and so that's why I went to the cyanotypes uh, as my next step to kind of manifest that expression, manifest this like capturing of light and what is it about light and dark and, and how can I, how many layers can I build and kind of obliterate what is before it? And um, how I'm interested in kind of showing this struggle with the medium. It's, I'm not familiar with it. So it's really like a little bit terrifying to work with because I can, I can blow out a whole, a whole image um, and I'm not using a timer and I'm using only the sun. So I'm really just going with chance and with, time and the amount of time that um i i just kind of feel it out and i just feel like i'm really fighting against time and fighting to keep the image present and that that conflict and that contrast is going to kind of come out in the work a little bit yeah th Thank these you. images here are in process so this is in process this is in process mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of them has, they have multiple layers of cyanotype going on. Yeah, I see. Yeah. And so this piece um, really connects to the cutouts. So the, um, the cyanotype, which is, um, which is this ephemeral light based thing. This is like the exact opposite. This is Scyola. It is a, it's a, kind of ancient plaster technique that I uh, learned about three years ago uh, and I had to go to Italy to study it and it is um, it mimics marble and the figures that you see here are pulled from uh, Greco-Roman wrestlers and that is where I take my imagery for figures it's in my paintings it's in the wrestlers it's in the sculptures and it's in these cyanotypes I'm really interested in um, how the how a figure can be how elements of the figure can get pulled out of this action. That's a froze. It's really from a photograph as well. Um, and a lot of my work does pull from phot photography, but these are taken off the internet from uh, like Olympic wrestling stills and photographs. 
and then I manipulate the the forms. I feel like they hold a lot of uh, information in them based on mm-hmm. tension and conflict. Uh, and I really, in my work, like to talk about conflict um, and tension and the conflict within, but also the conflict with time and with history and how it's been written and how that manifests bodily in people and how people perform that manifestation. So uh, I translate that in a lot of different ways. Uh, but right now I'm really focusing on these wrestlers and the and direct like uh, dissections out of the poses. So once you know that these are pulled from wrestling moves, you can start to kind of maybe see that in the work. If you don't know that, which it's not important that you know that, it feels more like a body intention or held in space. Um, and so with the paintings, I, I think of them as a timeline and the figures are struggling within that timeline. Uh, so uh, as I'm building the layers, the, the, these paintings take many months to finish because there's many, many layers and building an overlap and cutting in and out. Um, and the way that I work with painting feels very much to me like collage. Uh, and because the sources are photographic, that's one way that they're collage. But in another way, it's about overlapping what is being cut in and cut out. And where do I cut something and where do I overlap it? Um, and that's really a dominant part and a dominant um, language that I use in the painting. Then there's color, which touches on many different things from landscape to like acidic uh, acids to to light to different kinds of light and I'm trying to create these different sorts of conditions for the figures and how are they going to navigate that yeah you also work in um in various forms of sculpture there's mm-hmm. Scaiola in here as well though is, is there not yeah there's yes there is yeah that's a little Scaiola block um so with Scaiola, it I think of it as a solid, a solid painting. Also, sometimes because it's pigment and plaster mixed together. Um, but then when I show it on the when I show it sculpturally, sometimes it's on the wall and it feels a little bit more like a painting almost. But when it's on the ground, it's um, it really talks to like a marble and a garden. Um, this work I was really thinking about a cloistered garden, like a closed off garden. Um, like a private garden space and trying to get that feeling of, that you're alone in your own, uh, like alone in your own room kind of feeling or that you're, uh, no one's going to disturb you and that you can just wander. And that was sort of the, the feeling I wanted to capture with this. Um, and that was really influenced out of the, um, it was really influenced out of the, uh, me looking at, uh, at the unicorn tapestries in New York, which is a whole nother thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop sharing so that we can see, I think, you better. Yeah. Um, Hello. I think I was, I think the screen share was monopolizing the, the screen as our viewers <laughs> saw. But, um, um, but I, I thought it was fascinating that, yeah. um, that the, um, the Greco-Roman wrestling um, in yeah. your in your work, and it there's a, like a, a really formal there's like formal competition amongst all of the different 
layers and elements um, in your work, as you said, you kind of described it like a collage, but mm -hmm. but also the composition itself is so expansive and kind of all over in its way, and the kind of like yep. multiple competing um, elements. And yes. I thought the kind of um, you know remind like when you when you mentioned that you were working with sort of wrestling as a motif it kind of reminded me of the kind of form that formal quality of all of the different elements of the painting itself um kind of wrestling for your for your attention oh yeah certainly i feel like and i've been looking actually at lee krasner's work and other um i mean i've also been looking at jackson pollock it's just really about this overall competition uh, composition and then the conflict within that and how things can just fight each other. So I do use a lot of painting references with that. Um, and it's just, yeah, like I don't want you to know where to go. I don't want you, your eye to know where to go. And I don't, I want you to get lost in it. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of like um, trickery with the images to just get you to just sort of lose yourself a little bit in the work. And it, like the longer you look at a piece, the more things you'll see in it, which is interesting for me anyway. <laughs> and tell me about, um, I mean, I know that a lot of your work references a, a sort of classical or sort of imperial Roman past. Yeah. Um, in the exhibition that we did together at the, you know, as part of the Greater Columbus uh, um, exhibition, um, you painted on the walls um, these these sort of Roman archways that acted as a kind of backdrop to your to your paintings. Mm -hmm. and it was a it was a very subtle and also really lovely um, kind of sculptural treatment of the of the space. I thought, yeah. um, but those uh, you know those elements of kind of um, classical Roman kind of iconography almost um, or motifs architectural motifs um, end up in your painting as well. Um, and now with the kind of Greco-Roman wrestling um, added in there, yep. um, tell me about sort of, uh, about the, it, sort of how you draw inspiration from the, from the classical in particular. Yeah, it started with um, my interest in Emperor Domitian and uh, how he's actually kind of a little bit like Trump in a way, like he was just a really little bit of a crazy ruler. Um, leader and I was interested in looking for a symbol that could kind of represent dominance and also represent something historic that has traveled through the, the time that something that represents classical, this notion of the classic, um, like the one true classic, this is classical. Um, the whole idea of dominance and power and power structures. And um, it really came to, I started reading about the arch, the form of the arch and how it was made, but then also how Domitian, Emperor Domitian, um, used the arch in his own palace as a way to project his divinity. And that projecting of divinity and his attempt at trying to become a god um, was sort of like the catalyst for me to, to move into using and all of this classical uh, information for my own uses. Um, and he wanted to, he wanted to, he had a, it was him in particular because like his, all of his relatives had died and he, he had no one to uh, deem him as, as a God. So he was left 
to create this like structure, this architectural structure to, to make him that way. And, and it just felt so false and fake. And, um, that, that is really just, I really got attracted to that. And he would stand in the archway in his own house all the time. And he also made it so that you could see that no one would come behind him. So it was a really unusual distinction in his palace to have these archways made in every single room. Um, these niches where he would like hang out and just so odd. So I had to even go to Rome. I got, I went to Rome to see the arches. And um, so I keep using them as a menace. Uh, they also act as like an echo in time. Uh, they have different, they have different uh, uh, forms in the work, depending on what I want them to. Sometimes they're kind of weak. Uh, they have all these different uh, ways of being in the work. How is it that you, I mean, I, I, it's funny because I was first introduced to your work as video. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> you made several videos, um, which also actually, now that I'm, you know, now that you're, I hear you talking about uh, Domitian and his body sort of being framed by the, by the architecture of this mm -hmm. space. Um, the videos that you, that you made were models, essentially your feet, um, sort of walking through models of architectural spaces like the Wexner Center. Yes. Um, and and it just made me, I guess I have two questions um, out of that. But the first is, how do you move between different media? And how do you decide, like, oh, this is sculptural, this is painting, this is a, you know, I have an idea for a video. Yeah. Moving between media is a, oh, is man. a thing, actually. Oh, it's hard. It is a challenge. But I think that it's hard. It's hard, but it's like I can't not do it. So I have to do it. I have to. One thing has to be this one thing. And the other thing has to be the other thing. Um, like the last show that I did, there was video, sculpture, and painting. Uh, the show at Kent State. And um, the video had to happen because it had to be this performed manifestation of, uh, of total internalness. Um, and so I couldn't make that feeling any other way than to do a video. So the video had to be in there. And then the paintings are more visceral and you see them, but then the sculptures are more like they're just an object and you can see the weight and you can look all around them. So I just, I'm so into all of these different ways of experiencing uh, that I just have to use them all. And the idea really dictates which thing I'm going to do. Just like the cyanotype, like the idea dictated that I needed to do cyanotype. It just really had to be about light. It had, and also uh, I use this blue a lot in my work as a way to kind of reclaim the blue from, and it's really like, I do, I like these Klein, but it's about reclaiming that blue from him. Um, or taking, giving the power to the model. Like I used the blue in um, the Wexner piece to give the power back to the model. And I wanted, I didn't want the model to be a classical model. I wanted the model to be like a, a you know, a little bit more perverted and like, I wanted to use the stereotype. So the idea just took me to that place and it had to be that it had to be messy. It had to spill and 
be kind of stereotypical and sexy dancing and and then disturbing at the end. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, some of that, um, I mean, um, a lot of your work, I would say, is like, well, gender plays a, you know, a role in a lot of your thinking around um, the, the kind of wellspring of ideas in your, in your work. Um, tell me more about that. Yeah, uh, I think I just, I, I respond to everything through the body that I am and through my experiences. And so being, um, being a woman has, and identifying as a woman has really framed all of that for me as that is my experience. And, and everything is then filtered through that. So I, I am able to wield a lot of um, more feminine-esque uh, or you would be, calling them like stereotypically fa feminine gestures and movements and then also ignore them. Like I, I have a full range that I can go from because I have the way that I'm was um, the way that I am. So that's really where, where it comes out of. Um, and it connects to my interest in, in history and like the erasure of, of people's, and the erasure of ways of being, um, and then the hierarchy of ways of being and the hierarchy of, of how people are deemed uh, and valued. And really that value structure is something that I really uh, gravitate towards and thinking about a lot. Um, but, but my work has been moving a little bit more away from overtly gendered uh, in its figures, uh, except it's, and maybe some in the performances, uh, but it's still just, it's still there. It's still very much there. I do think about, I look at a lot of women artists uh, intentionally. Um, so it's important. It's important part of the work. Yeah. Um, I have, I have two, I see it's four o'clock now, um, but I have two more questions. Okay. Um, and w one is um, one is kind of a prosaic kind of standard interview question, uh, okay. but I think it's also kind of an interesting one. It kind of reveals something. But I was wondering when you, or when and how you first started to think of yourself as as an artist. Oh, oh, uh, always, always. This is funny. My mom was an artist. She was a portrait artist, and I I decided. In kindergarten, I mean, like I was always going to be an artist. So I even decided that I was not, school was not important. And I would sit in class and they would tell, they would give me an assignment and I would just be like, in my mind, that does not relate to being an artist. And I would not do it. I failed second grade. I failed it. <laughs> second grade. So I just knew, I always knew it was just, that was just what it was going to be. And I'm sure it's because my mom was an artist and both my grandparents on both sides also made art. I mean, they were, one was a steel worker and one was a barber, but they also made art. And so it was just like the thing that, and I was good at it. I think if you're good at something when you're young, you just, you lock in. Uh, it's just totally my, uh, my, it's always how it's going to be. It's always going to be this. <laughs> always. Yeah, always. <laughs> Actually, speaking of always, I should I should mention that um, you have been commissioned by the Columbus Museum of Art 
to create a new iteration of Always at CMA. That is um, Yes, that is um, in collaboration with my colleague, Anna Lee. Um, and I'm delighted that you're both um, taking that forward. Um, yes. So look for more details uh, around that, around our opening in mid-June. Yes. Uh, and also, the sh I'll be at a show at Hammond Harkin showing the cyanotypes June 6th. Awesome. And the show, and so all of these cyanotypes, which you can see here, will be on display June sixth. So come on by. There's going to be like social distance viewing and all yeah. those things. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my last yeah. question, the one that I've asked um, on, in all of these interviews, is, mm -hmm. you know, people have been, you know, in this kind of weird um, period where so many people are at home and. And, um, and there's been so many social media kind of creativity challenges and mm -hmm. pushing these out, um, you know, take an image of yourself as a famous painting or as a painting in your local museum. Um, but I was, I was curious if you might have a kind of proposition for something simple um, that people might do to kind of disrupt the everyday and to sort of bring something different and creative into their own space. Yeah, I'll make art in your windows. Just start <laughs> taping things up into your windows. Do all of your windows in your whole house. And then people, when they walk by, they'll see it. And then they'll, they'll, they won't see it right away, but they'll see it eventually. And uh, then you can just take it back down. And it also makes beautiful shadows on the inside of your house. So I would use your yeah. windows. It's a gallery. You can light it up from behind. You could put, you could use stuffed animals and set up a whole scene. And then when your, when your room is lit, it'll be like backlit and Christmas lights and whatever. Like, let's do this because <laughs> everyone's coming outside now. So now's the time to decor, decorate, put, put some art up in your windows and share it. That's my advice. That is awesome. I mean, at, you know, in this moment, we we kind of I think we do need to to rethink what our domestic space is. What our you know we've been forced to to sort of encounter that a lot more recently than you know at least you know those of us who are like nine to fivers um, um, are spending so much more time at home and. That entails so many new dynamics um, of the of the everyday, of relationships, of of all of this, and and to kind of focus your energy on something that is, you know, new and different and creative. I, I think is really kind of generative and uh, and sort of generous. Um, oh yeah, as, uh, with yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and I will follow that up. Everyone should make areas in your house, make like stage different areas and give them different moods. And then you can go to those different areas and you feel like you're different. We've been doing that at, at our house. We've been making areas like the, the plant area with the chair. It's nice. You can escape. That's, that's <laughs> well, that's the words. Um, yes. It has just flown by. Um, but it is always great to see you. Yeah. And um, I look forward to your show at Hannah Harkins. And yes. um, 
also certainly to uh, living with uh, with always CMA. Oh my god, I'm so excited about the CM always CMA is going to be fabulous. Thank I you so much. To, oh, you're most welcome. It's really it's really a pleasure. And um, thank you everyone who's turning in. Thank you everyone for coming. I hope someone got the uh, the prize on the trivia. The yeah, I'm going to repeat that um, uh, trivia question um, just at one. the end here, um, as I was asked to do so. But um, what artist led a failed assassination attempt against Leon Trotsky in May 1940? All right. Hint. Okay. Yay. All right. Thank Great you. you. Um, Bye. Take care and take you care too. everyone out there.